Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible, the house is on fire, and there is no time where eating carrots on the podcast is chill. Or nuts. <laughs> or nuts. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-hosts, Curtis Dewar. Hello. And Scotty Heath. Hello. Don't you mean the number one guest of 200 podcasts? Yes, the number one guest of 200 podcasts. I kind of feel like I earned that title, so... Maybe that's how we should do it from now on. Okay, I, I was gonna put like a, a hot a hotness competition on Insta- on Twitter, like who's hotter, Curtis or Scotty? Well, Scotty. Oh, now I'm against Curtis. He's more popular. Well, check it out. I want to thank um, Ghost Cult for naming me the number one guest. That was very nice and very accurate. I might I might. Point and you out. guys and you guys even agreed with him, so that was cool. I do think I am a guest, as much as we talk about me being a co-host. I mean, this is your guys' podcast, you know? Like, mm-hmm. when we talk about me being a, a third host, it's cool that I guest all the time, and I love it. But uh, I don't want to take anything away from all the work you guys have done. Because, shit, how many have I done? Like, six? And you guys have done 200? So, there we go. Congratulations on you guys for hitting that milestone. That's crazy. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. So Here's the thing is, like, so many people – hold on. I want to tell you guys how great you are. Okay, thank oh. you. I can, I can take um, two, two. Yeah, I think you can take it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, um, a lot of people talk about doing stuff. I'm guilty of this, you know? I mean, it's easy to have a good idea and procrastinate and just have a little fantasy in your head about how great it would be if you did something or whatever. And then a lot of people get, um, you know, if you don't get, like, a bunch of fucking pats on the back right away when you do something, you tend to, like, kind of give up or whatever. And so I would like to say that Curtis and Matt, your guys' perseverance with this podcast um, is inspiring. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. I was kind of hoping you were going to start crying halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that fragile about your success, Matt. (laughs) You just ruined the moment, Matt. (laughs) Um, no, but, uh, no, but that, that is a good point. And, and it just tying to what we're going to talk about on this podcast. Um, is that like nothing that like is going to work is going to like kick off right away. Like I still like routinely have mornings where I'm like, this sucks. I should just quit music and go do biz dev for my buddy's hedge fund. Like, yeah. Like, like, I know that feeling. Like, it sucks a lot of the time. And then, like, in a given day, like, literally in a given day, and this is where perseverance matters, is, like, in a given day, I'll, like, wake up and be like, I fuck, I woke up at five. My roommate wakes up at, like, eight and, like, makes three times as much money as I do fucking working 40 hours a week. <laughs> and, and he's like, come do biz dev. And I'm like, what? Maybe I hate everything. Oh, God, everyone hates me. And then someone nice emails me and I feel special. And then someone mean emails me and I get sad for three hours. And then someone nice emails me and I end the day feeling good about myself. But like, that's every day. Yeah. Like, like every day is like, why? Stop, stop sending Matt Bacon mean emails. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I'm very fragile. I need, this is why I have like support people at festivals now. (laughs) I'm going to tweet it out right now. Matt Bacon is the nicest guy in the world. Thank you. He's very nice. He's a nice man. Niceness is priceless. Niceness nice is priceless. boy. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Boy so what are we talking about today? So what we're talking about today involves perseverance, which is when is your band ready to tour? Both the U.S. 
and Europe. Coming from a U.S. perspective, I want to clarify. Yeah. North American, I would like to point out. Yes True. and no, because I feel like Canada is a, de- a separate game even. It really is sure. because sure. you have to kind of be invited to Canada now unless you want to just like sneak across the border. So that well, makes it more difficult and more difficult if you don't have like a booking agent and stuff and, and sure. working with a proper promoter that can get you that paperwork at the border and stuff that's so important. And if you're and a Canadian I, band, it's hard to come over. Yeah, and I even want to play Toronto anyway, so... Yeah, and a lot of bands, I'd say, like, a lot of bands will, like, dip down into Tijuana for, like, one Mexican show. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily worth it. And to get to, like, Mexico City, you kind of have to be invited. It's the same thing. So I, I do think it's different going to Mexico or Canada. So for for the sake of the pod, let's say U.S. tour into Europe. Fine. Fine. Sorry, Canada. I think it'll, I think this can bring value to bands from any nation. Because you can, what you can do is just boil it down to, to your locale and, and, and kind of sort it out. Fair point being. Well, so first of all, can you pack a show in your hometown? Are you yeah. one of the bands? Are you a band that moves and shakes in your local city? Can you, do you, can you headline a show in your local city with other local support? Are you the band that gets the support slot when a good touring band comes through town? You want to be at least there before you leave on a proper tour. That doesn't mean you can't take off for a weekend or stuff like that while you gauge the outer cities. But your home base is your home base. Like if you can't, if you can't get shit popping off at home, um, there's really no reason to think that the next state over is, is waiting for you uh, holding their breath, you know? But what yeah. about all these bands that hear the stories about the bands that are huge in Europe, like Manowar and stuff like that, and Japan that never made it outside of their home country? Well, if you haven't played outside of your hometown yet and you want to compare yourself to Manowar, <laughs> um, you might have more delusions than can be addressed in this 30-minute podcast. No, yeah, well, like, the, the thing Someone is... Someone literally said this to me. That's why I asked the dumb no, question. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. literally said this... <laughs> Oh, well, I think, yeah. Well, I mean, doing a podcast like this, I mean, any kind of advice that you're ever going to give, there's always exceptions to the rule. And anyone who replies to advice with the example of the (laughs) exception really isn't looking for advice. They're looking for like a a a cheat around or something like that, you know? Or validation that it can happen, even though it's probably not. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of reaching that can be done everywhere to, to justify anything if you're in the right mindset. So let's go ahead. Let's move forward pretending that our average listener's not in Manowar. Right? I, 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 the, the way I always like to explain this Didn't is Didn't you like, guys have a guess? Doesn't Blasco play with Ross the Boss? Is that right? Oh, he does. No. I think, I oh, think he does, does sometimes. Or maybe they announced like a couple. I saw Ross the Boss last summer in Portugal. And he was not with Blasco. It would have been cool to meet Blasco, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure I, I saw something that like Blasco's doing some some Manowar shows with Ross the Boss. I thought I saw that too, but I could be mistaken. Anyways, just tying it into the pod. Yeah. Regardless. Former no, guest. Yeah. No. No. no <laughs> Top one. ten guest of the pod. Yeah. Number number one guest here, making sure everyone else feels loved. <laughs> so just to clarify, your your band is probably not going to be Manowar. Well, like, no, like well, the, way, the way I always explain it is like you're comparing yourself to LeBron James 
that worth a little no, but like you know what I'm saying. It's like it's like if you were like a high school as- athlete and you were trying to be like, oh, well, why why isn't it working for me the way it worked for LeBron? Everyone would be like, you're a douchebag and an idiot. And it's kind Man of Man wars LeBron James of heavy metal. Yeah, I'll go with that. Fuck it. <laughs> but but like you get what I'm trying to say, right? It's like don't I, don't like now there are exceptions. Like absolutely, like Stoner Rock is significantly more popular in Europe. Like. You know, like these things happen, but also, again, if a good band is a good band, yeah. And if you're drawing twenty people at home, it's not going to Europe that's going to fix all your problems, for sure. Yeah, it's just going to cost you a lot of money, and in touring, stressful, especially overseas. And I would say, and I do say, for an American band, your very first Europe tour is going to be your hardest tour. It's going to be the tour where you're really like asking yourself, is this what I want to do? And finding out who in the band has that grit inside them to do it. Yeah. Because it's rough, you know? And the thing about Europe is you can play a killer show and then have like four or five stinkers in a row across like three countries and morale will get low. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, because this is the thing that I always try to explain to people, and my buddies in Salem then understood super well, is that like when you're a U.S. band on tour in Europe, sure, there's a larger overall percentage of like people who go to shows and stuff, but every day you're in a new market. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no like market you've previously established. There's no like, oh, well, this show in Philly sucked, but we played Baltimore a couple times and we know there'll be people there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if you've done a lot of networking already, again, so, barring very specific circumstances. It's all right. Well, let's get into some, let's, let's reel it back and let's get into some specifics of when you are ready. Okay. Yeah. We've covered like when you're not ready. Okay. Okay. What, what makes you ready? First, do you know people that will book you a show? That's yeah. like, that's really kind of what you need because you need a show booked and you're going to be better off at least online and if you do the cold call for the show certainly to the club or something like that you know and this goes back to being a participant i mean i started all my touring through people i had hosted here in the bay area now for me um, my location made it easier than others to do it because every band wants to play in the Bay Area. Um, yeah. So there's no shortage of bands looking for a show here who then need a host, who then need some new friends. Um, but it goes back to helping other people selflessly and then letting it just reward you later in the future. Because when it comes down to it, Um, People want to help people that they're friends with or people that have helped them out in the past. So I'd say step one to preparing to leave town to go on tour is not just playing local shows and building up your local fan base so you can get kind of an idea if people are into your shit or not. But you you need to be at the same time you're like working on your act, you need to be... um, making sure that you're meeting the people that can help you when you're out on the road. Um, Because you're going to need more help than just the person who sets up the venue. You're going to need a place to crash. 
Uh, there might be problems on the road. There's, you know, you're going to need friends in between point A and point B in case something happens in the way, you know? So it goes back to how helpful have, have you and your band been Absolutely. To others, because that's, I mean, it's, it's going to come back around. And, um... and you see bands who haven't been helpful and nobody wants to help them. Like, it's just like, cool. oh, you didn't come to, sh- you don't go to shows. Like, like, cause like the thing is like, even if you're, if you understand the culture, right. Of how to talk to other people in DIY, <coughs> you know, even if you don't know anyone in Champaign, Illinois, if you understand the culture and you have the shared background, then you can convince someone to let you sleep on their floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? However, if you like think you're like a European band, um, you know, and you should, and like you should get hotels every night, then like no one's going to try to hook it up or try to be nice to you or want to buy more merch. Cause I see you're really hustling. Well, the <laughs> other thing too is, is the main question like, even before even any of that is like, have you, gotten any downloads or sales in europe too oh yeah the band oh, should be, should if you're talking about europe thing? yes that, that that that's something i see people fuck up all the time they're like oh we're right. on a european label and it's like well no one in europe bought it <laughs> well or, yeah or even yeah. if they're not like or if they have no european distro i like i've seen bands do that too and it's like well there's no product over there like why would you bother but well, yeah. which to me is like we're in this weird time right now because as a label, I still deal with that. Like, oh, yeah. shit, we could, we were over in fucking, um, you know, Slovenia and they didn't have our record at the record store. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, distribution is the hardest thing for a label. But we're in this time right now where it's like, well, they don't have your record at the record store, but you could do a targeted ad to Slovenia with totally. all your digital music. And, and get a gauge right there. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't recommend just targeting Slovenia to get ready for your trip over there, but yeah. there's, there's, um, you can still focus your energy on, on little locations around the world with, without necessarily, um, you know, um, but that's like, like advanced level fucking shit. I don't even know. I've never even done, I've never like targeted, a place where no one knows where we are in some attempt to, to get there. But I mean, it it can be done. Well, the thing you always want to do, like you said, is you want to start where you're at and then kind of build up from there. Cause like, why, like, honestly, I don't understand why bands even bother. Like if you can't even get local or your country, it just seems. Yeah. Well, 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 that's the thing is like, Oh, like every tour, I always try to explain this to people, the tours, I, I very rarely book tours these days. Every tour I booked that was sick happened quickly because people wanted to see the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is a good gauge. If it's taking a really long time to get <laughs> the shows or people to call you back, you're probably early. Like like this is the thing, right? Like like you can look at <clears throat> like I used to use Exhorter as an example, but that's like such such a big example. Like it's not in this world. But if you look at a band like Wofat, okay, who are like very respected uh, stoner rock band, usually tour Europe because they have more of a market there, but you know, definitely have an audience in America. Mm-hmm. I booked that tour in like a week. And then when one of the days fell through at the last minute, I was able to fix it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like 
you have the goodwill of the band yeah yeah exactly like like i called up i called up a different promoter in indy in indianapolis and she was like yeah dude i got you it's cool like this is a band i think would make sense and i was like okay thank you mona and and it led to and it led to a great show but like so often you know it's like if it's taking you two weeks to find a show in the next city over and you're trying to get to california from richmond yeah it's a long drive and there's a lot of long spots in the middle so yeah. i i guess i would i would i mean I, I would start regionally obviously if you're on the east coast you've got a big advantage there um for hitting like weekend markets and stuff um where if you're out here in california if you're not trying to do small towns it's like where i'm at it's either like seven hours down to la or 13 hours up to portland if you don't want if you're if you don't want to do little towns in between i've got a band um death grave grindcore band from san jose leaving on tour tomorrow and a are are um hitting a bunch of small places they're doing weed california sacramento point reyes or some shit like um they are using their time to hit a bunch of small markets where they think they can do better and not spend a lot of gas and get in front of different kids Mm -hmm. um then try to use the week that they have to get to fucking texas and back or something like that like they're basically going from here to seattle Mm -hmm. in 10 shows i mean that's a lot of coverage and there are kids in these towns i mean california's huge um i don't know if you would well i guess i mean like i said if you were on the east coast and you did the drive from california to um seattle you're hitting like not eight or nine states but here it's three with only three major cities so yeah but again sometimes hitting those smaller towns is the way to do it yeah and well yeah i mean because if you meet kids that because that's the thing it's like you'll meet some kids that want they want to do something in their town and like if you're in weed california you can't like be like the booker in oakland california you're three hours four hours away and it's weird to try to it might be feel weird to try to start a scene in your little town but the road in between two giant cities portland and san francisco goes right through your town right in the middle so that's like somebody being cool and smart yeah and there's like why don't i just start hitting up these bands there's a lot of places like that. Bellingham is a really good example. Uh, the yep. town I started booking shows in when I first moved to America, Westchester, at that time, there was a little DIY coffee, coffee house venue that would have hardcore shows. And we could consistently get 50 to 70 kids in there for a hardcore show. You know, because yeah. you know, there was a college and there was, you know, and like the right, you know, like you could do that. And you like Westchester is a town that's an hour outside of Philly and has... 30,000 people, but like you can grow a scene places, you know what I mean? And you see this on tour a lot where you're like, especially if you have like a good hooked up agent, cause he'll be like, you know, cause you'll be like, Oh wow. Um, you, you sent us to this town. We thought it was going to suck, but it actually was dope, <laughs> you know, because sometimes that's how it is because Bellingham is right there and is where you want to play after crossing from Vancouver or whatever you know one one band from one town can start an entire scene by inviting people to come there 
and yeah. and you might have to pull a couple hundred bucks out of your pocket the first couple times, but it'll grow from there because people will come and be excited. Yeah, like people and and Kurt, Curtis just DM'd me. Is there actually a weed California? No, I just said I found there's actually a weed California. Oh. I thought he was joking. No, yeah. Oh yeah, no. Up that's weed California, and they. I'll tell you what they got. They do really well. Sure. I, I, just you thought you were kidding, I thought you were kidding around. <laughs> no, but like, no, it's right underneath uh, Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now as we speak. I'm surprised. <laughs> um, but 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 this is important, right? Is that now again figuring out which oh, small shit, towns I made it this far without getting cut out? Figuring out which small towns are cool and figuring out which small hey, guys, towns. Yes, we're, we're here. Oh, phew, that was like the longest I ever made it in an episode without getting cut out. I thought we were going to do the whole thing. <laughs> you, 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 you never cut out. We had you the whole time. Oh, well, then I, then what happens is I can't hear you guys. And then you guys just, I just, whenever I just start going, hello, hey, hi, that's not me starting a conversation. That's me lost. Ah, over here well <laughs> Point being, um, you, you do have, like figuring out what, what these small towns are is tricky and requires a lot of experience on the road, but you want to know something? Cause this is something that drives me crazy. Is if you, I want to know something. Let's hear it. If you talk to the, if you talk <clears throat> to the other bands in your scene, they will, t- they will do this thing called telling you about their experiences. Like, Whoa. like it's crazy to me that like, 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 like when I, I still will like ask like, like I have, I call them my hardcore sponsors, but like, I'll still ask like Andy Patterson from Inside Out and Dean Rispler from Murphy's Law, like, and a million other bands. I'll, like, I'll ask both of them all the time. Like, is this cool? Is this guy cool? What's up over here? Like, you just, you gotta do it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so many people don't ask these questions and it's like, these people have been there before. They're willing to tell, like, they're not, they're not trying to hide the sacred the sacred knowledge of weed California being a good market to play on a Tuesday. Yeah, no, if weed California makes, it makes an effort, they want everyone to know they're not making an effort to still be a secret spot. They're making an effort to get out there. Yeah. To get cool shows, to make people come out. So like embrace that, embrace that people are want to share information, but okay. Now I just want to get into something real fast because I think people respond to this. Well, um, I have my personal ideas, but Scotty, in terms of raw metrics, okay, if you're, let's say you're a New York band, okay, how many people should you be drawing in New York, Philly, and Boston before fuck. you tour seriously? Why'd you say fuck? Scotty? God damn it. Scotty? Scotty, you here? Scotty, are you dead? You have to tell us if you're dead. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to call an ambulance. Oh my God, that would be really fun. This is also all going into the podcast, so I hope you guys appreciate this look behind the scenes. Is our friend Scotty dead? So, How about you answer the question while we're waiting for Scotty? Okay, I'm going to text, text Scotty while I answer the question. Sure. So, um, point B. Oh shit, that time I was back and I was muted. Oh, God damn it. Every time I go out, like each second is like a millennium. <laughs> Let me get out. Okay. All right, what's what's the did, raw did metric? The no, okay. no, I got like what's the raw metric? I got right to the question. Okay, so the metric, Scotty, is how many people? So let's say you're a New York band, okay? 
how many people should you be drawing in New York, Philly, and Boston before you consider going on tour? Um, well, I, I don't know if the actual number makes a thing. It's kind of like, are you, are you filling a room and selling some merch and getting good feedback? Sure. Like, I don't think it ha you don't have to put a number on it because it's all subjective. And I mean, when you're going out on your first tours, I mean, there's, there's 30 person shows that are huge successes sure. and, and 50 person shows that are kind of a bummer, you know? Um, so you got to gauge, um, just, you got to gauge the room. Like, yeah, there has to be people in it, but what are the people saying? How are the people feeling? What, you know, are yeah. they, are we, are we creating something memorable for these people and, and do they want us to come back? Or are we just, are we just filling time for everyone? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important too, is like looking at the types of shows you're getting on and it's like, cause again, like the, the hip local promoter knows agents right and he knows other people and he's gonna help you if he thinks you're cool yeah like if you don't find yourself like when you're playing like out of town if you don't find yourself like playing like in the scene or for a scene you're not doing it right like if you're if you're going out of town and you're playing for like the battle of the bands promoters every night with other randos that you haven't really found what you need to find to be out of town yeah exactly that's a good way to put it yeah is I've that... got a question for both of you guys. What do you guys feel about guys that just want to get, get out of their city and they do a buy-on, like for Europe or for across the country? Buy-ons work if you can afford it. I mean, but yeah. also I've seen bands. Uh, I, I've seen a band spend fucking five figures, uh, a high, a, a halfway to six figures on a tour. Not, not just the buy-in, but the buy-in plus the sound guy plus the transportation plus all the thing. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it got them nowhere. Um, yeah. But that's also, like, you, that's part of buy-ons is, like, I can't, you can't tell someone to not be delusional about their band because your ego is attached to your music. And some people can't be told you're not ready because their thing is, like, I just need to get in front of people. Which yeah. is a good attitude to have, you know? Like, yeah. a good band is like, we don't care who we play with. Just put us <clears> in front of a room and we'll yeah. rock it. Yeah. Um, that attitude too early in your career might bite you back a little bit, you know? Um, so, buy, you know, it's the thing about buy-ons and even, like, pay-to-play shows and stuff like that, this goes mm -hmm. back to something I say a lot. You have to know when you're being taken advantage of versus when you can take advantage of a situation. So how do so, you know that? Well, it really just depends on how you apply yourself to the situation. Because like, like, yeah, if I get a buy-on to the tour, if I do a buy-on to a tour, and I think that just being on the tour and playing in front of the people is going to get me there, I might be a little short-sighted and, and um, wasting some money. Yeah. But if I go the extra step to to really um like because you create the illusion like there's not a it doesn't say buy on band next to your name on the flyer like yeah. no one knows that besides you the promoters sometimes other bands on the tour don't even know you bought on until like halfway through and it's like oh shit they bought on oh no mm -hmm. wonder no one's ever fucking heard of them you know mm -hmm. but to like bring it back to like even smaller than a buy-on like a pay-to-play show this I learned from uh, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed, okay? 
I always, always, always said, don't play a play-to-play show. Fuck those things. It's bullshit. You know, that was like the punk in me being like, don't do that. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Until I heard the fucking genius, Jamie Josta, if you're not picking up game from this guy, whether you like Hatebreed or not, I mean, he's got it. He used to do, Hatebreed started doing pay-to-play shows all around the Connecticut area. Mm-hmm. And instead of just like selling his 10 tickets and showing up to play first and stuff, he would, this goes back to flyering, he would make his own posters. So it didn't just say hate breed in a little font or tacked on at the bottom. He would remake the tour poster. So hate breed was like part of the bill and part of the deal. And he, he so he used those pay to play spots to lift the band up. And I think he said that sometimes when he couldn't sell all the tickets, he would just give them to his friends anyways, so shit would go off when they played. Hmm. So that's taking advantage of a situation where it's actually a promoter taking advantage of you. And if both people win, like if you're taking advantage of me, but I'm taking advantage of the situation, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a win-win, you know? And those might not be the people you want to deal with for your entire career, but if you can use that as a step, um dude, so it was actually that story that changed my mind on pay to play stuff so and that's how you leverage it that's how you make the gains for yourself absolutely cool. i think that you know my example of pay to play is always like yeah okay it's dumb to have pay to play for a b or c level touring band you know so that they're la- so that the promoter can pay the can pay the the guarantee you know so he can be like oh look at me i booked i don't know um devil driver you know, like, that's it. That was a good pull. I feel like Devil Driver probably gets some pay-to-play local openers off. I was trying. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of like one I could like properly like drop. But yeah, yeah, like okay. You know, now that's one thing. Like oh man, but like simultaneously, like when we did Exhorter in New Orleans, we had a pay-to-play band. But simultaneously, if you can't sell fifty tickets to Exhorter in New Orleans, like that's on you. <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, you might, you might not be ready, or you don't understand what, what you need to bring to the yeah, game like, to like, get there. Like, because, like, like, I understand pay-to-play. I think that once you start promoting more and more shows, like, the more shows you promote, the more you become sympathetic to pay-to-play, honestly. Because, like, you know, like, I've promoted shows where the, where the band, like, begged me to come on. Oh, man, we can't get any shows. Matt, you know we're a good band. You know we carry. We're your boys. And then they don't do any promotion. And I lose $100 on this band when I could have had someone else, you know? Yeah, they have skin in the game that way. Yeah, and, and pay to – that's why a lot of – like, a lot of promoters don't – some do – some promoters do pay to play because they're lazy assholes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, a lot of promoters do pay to play because they're like, well, you might be trustworthy, but everyone else has not been trustworthy consistently for 10 years of being a promoter, and I'm tired of losing money. Yeah, no, I like how you put that. Put a little skin in the game. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that term. I use it sometimes with other stuff, and I agree um, with what you said there. Like, but again, like, there's always circumstances like like where they could be taking advantage of you. But when you, I know what you're saying, Matt. No, but, but no, but 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 again, it's totally. like look, like I as a promoter, okay. Yeah. I give you an opportunity. Yeah. And then you post about it twice only on your band Facebook and not on your personal Facebook and none of your friends show up. And then you, nothing else. and then you try to shake my hand at the end of the night and talk about what a great show it was. Yeah. And yeah, and you just kind of blew it, you know? And, and, it's, and it's like, well, no, it wasn't a great show. 
I especially get upset about this because it's like, I put out more content than anyone else on how to have a good show. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't do that. <clears throat> and, Dude. But, Somebody <laughs> asked me the other day why I don't play in bands anymore. And I was like, oh, I'm just, I never really found myself as a musician. I was more of like a punk uh, who who was grateful for the opportunity or whatever. And they were like, oh, let's start a band. And I was like, oh, you misheard me. Um, that's exactly what I don't want to do. And then they were like, why? And I was like, well, A, I'm not interested. But B, with all the advice I'm giving to bands, like it would be exhausting if I had to follow all my own rules. Oh, I feel that way too. <laughs> like, I, feel that, I feel that way. I, I absolutely feel that way. I, 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 have, like, I realize that if I was to start a band, there'd be a lot of pressure. And like... Matt would do everything he tells people not to do. Exactly. And then also, and like, what if we sucked? And then, like, because, like, I'm really afraid of, like, people, like, saying it's sick because they, they like bacon spits. And, yeah. and then, yeah. like, on top of all that, like, I don't want to be in a band where I fund everything. Like, straight up. Like, yeah. I like going to Europe every six weeks. I don't want to pay for your share of the practice space, Johnny. You know what I mean? Like, like, maybe one day I'll be in that position where it's, like, I have a band idea I truly believe in. But, like, right now. Fuck. I, I think that's Scotty's way of telling us he got kicked out again. Nah, I'm back. Did you hear oh, me okay. say fuck? Yeah, like I <laughs> yeah, said, if I'm, just, if I'm just cussing and you don't know why, it's because I've got um, muted or Yeah, out. so point being. Um, All right, well, what about, okay, so here's something new. We're running all the like, time, but just go. Okay, then real quick, I want to put this idea out there. We're talking about a lot of traditional methods, like tried and true traditional methods, like stay home, you know, earn, earn your fan base and get out or whatever. But we're also living in a different world. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're living in a world where a lot of the old timers are mad at new bands for not paying their dues or whatever. But guess what? That band used their fucking phones to generate more attention in one year than paying their dues would have done in five. Sure. There's, okay. There's cheats here because we're in a new world. Yeah, there's, so, there, there, there's cheats here, but if you're not using them, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, like, there's so many bands who are like, oh, well, you know, with social media, you never know who's paying attention. And it's like, well, first of all, you do. It tells you. Yeah, you know who's paying attention. <laughs> I'm saying you, these are, you can cheat. You can cheat. You can cheat, but most people don't. And that, that's why we talk about the conservative, we, we talk about this older mindset, right? But I want to like, inspire someone to do it a new way and then call us and be like, check it out, dude. No, and well, bands do do it. Bands it's do do it. I was because, like, Scotty, you're probably like you and me are probably like the only people that are like you know uh, older people that are actually using social media and metal and punk. You know what I mean? So most most of the rest of them just they don't get that. That's the problem. I was just watching. There's a great new um, series on Viceland called The Wrestlers, hosted by my buddy Damien from Fucked Up. It's an extraordinary show. I recommend it to everybody. Yeah. Um, one of the thing, one of the show topics focuses on exactly this, it, it, mm -hmm. and it applies to bands too. The old school wrestlers being like, "Hey, these new guys are twenty years old and they're headlining tickets and they haven't paid their dues." And it's yeah. like, "Well, what did they do? They've been doing backflips off the their roof of their house onto tables on Instagram every day for two years, and they've yeah. amassed a half a million fucking followers." So. Yeah. There's a way to skip paying your dues 
but it doesn't involve skipping having grit and having yeah. that determination and being well, focused. But yeah, like this is what I try to explain to people. It's like, yes, I personally at 23 was able to leapfrog a lot of like the being on tour for 10 years that people older than me have had to do. Simultaneously, mm-hmm. I put out five fucking things a day, so shut up. Also, you had the advice of a much older person. Yes, Andy Patterson. No, no, wink, wink. Andy Patterson and Nate Carson all day. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Curtis, uh-huh. you fucking live off my advice. Anyway. Uh-huh. It's anyway. more like the other way around. <laughs> everybody knows. Any, uh, any, any, any final uh, points here from the peanut gallery as we have a minute left? Before I, I, I'm deleting my tweet saying you're the nicest boy in the world now. Thank you, Curtis. You're welcome. I wanted to real quick, I, re- I wanted to do this at the beginning of the thing because you guys did the top 10 guests the other day. I wanted to point out that Alan Averill from Primordial, yes. am I saying his name right? Averill. I, I got a lot from that episode talking about how to be a legacy band and uh, on, the, on socials. And yeah. you don't have to be a legacy band to apply that. I thought that guy was really thoughtful, really smart. And 100%. if you're going back and listening to the top 10, uh, I would check that one out, everybody. Absolutely. And Alan's actually going to come back on the podcast soon. I was texting with him. This has been cool. looking forward to that. This has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done yet? <laughs>